Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 73 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got the regular team of Matt Aguilar. What up? And Janelle Wheeler. Hey, everybody. And we got a lot to burn through today. We got to talk about a big shakeup in the DC movie schedule and some other big Warner Brothers and general movie shakeups, as well as asking, are movie theaters dead now? Like, we got to talk about that. We've also got to talk about Ryan Reynolds maybe being rumored to get the biggest MCU contract out there. Matt's psyched because we get to talk The Witch out today, and he's been kind of waiting for that. Every week he tries to slide in my program notes with some Witcher. Experience. <laughs> so today we're going to let him finally fly. This is totally like, true. this is the booty call for you. This is like The Witcher booty call. Here we go. I have it's your back on that, Matt. And Resident Evil. All in one yeah. Oh my God, and Resident Evil. Yes. Just before we came in, we got a big Resident Evil movie reboot drop. So we got to talk about all that. Plus, we are going to deep dive, and Janelle gets a chance to shine because we are going to deep dive into The Walking Dead in its big Whisper War for the Whisper War finale and The Walking Dead Beyond, which just premiered. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to try to finally get to some of these comics we got to talk about. Matt's going to run down what's new this week, but we also got to talk about big things that are happening in the world of comics. We're going to talk about X of Swords, Three Jokers, and uh, especially this big Batman 100 Joker War finale, which we're going to get into. So, no time to delay. Let's get started right at the top. As I said in our newsflash, we got to talk about some big upsets in the DC movie scheduling. Um, I'm actually on vacation right now, but apparently when I traveled, everything at Warner Brothers and DC kind of fell apart. Uh, I got <laughs> you can't where, do that to us anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, got to, I got to my new destination and now everything I was looking forward to from the DC movie universe in 2021 is gone. And uh, yeah. The Batman. Okay, let's just get to the big stuff. So here's the big kind of release date kind of shakeups. The Batman has been pushed back out of October 2021 to uh, March of 2022. So yeah, that's I mean, that's that's a big one. We were really kind of excited. Yeah. The Flash was supposed to be on June 2022. It's now coming in November of 2022. Shazam 2 was supposed to be in November of 2022. We're not getting that until June of 2023. And Black Adam is just gone. We don't have a release date change. It was supposed to be December. Uh, it was supposed to be December of 2021. Now we have no idea when Black Adam is going to film or come out. So Don't say it's gone because then people like me go, what? Like they canceled it? <laughs> well, I mean, right now it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's officially not on the schedule. So it is, I mean, oh my gosh. kind of a little bit canceled. I mean, it's not, it's not canceled, but I mean, they're casting for it, obviously, but there is no just, real firm. Yeah, like it just date. means it was so far out anyway. They don't know what the hell to do with it until they get <laughs> all the other dates. Yeah, in exactly. order, you know. So understandable. I mean, that sucker so, could be twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, I think Wonder Woman. Oh, no. is, is Wonder Woman still holding it December right now? And I I thought so. I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> I yeah, I'm pretty sure, I think, but I, I also was really is. excited about the Matrix. I mean, that's the only. Yeah, good we're gonna news. get to all that, but I'm just I'm sticking with DC. Like Jim, Jim. right now. Thanks. <laughs> jump the gun. We're gonna get to. All oh that. no, my name's a J name too, so it works. Yeah, I mean, jump gun, Janelle. There you go. Boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still holding on Christmas. Wonder Woman's still holding on Christmas Eve, but like at this point, that's not like happen. that's not gonna happen. No, no theaters are even. <laughs> yeah, this is into our larger discussion. There aren't even movie theaters to show these things in anymore. Like, so that's a thing. But yes, as jump gun, that's Janelle kind of indicated. What's that? I said, except for one tease. See what they're teased it. 
didn't jump it. You did yeah, jump it. it. You teased. Okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. Yes, but as Janelle jumped the gun and told you there were other uh, Warner Brothers release date delays and uh, one kind of earlier scheduling, the good news is The Matrix will get uh, on December of 2021. So the end of next year, we'll at least get The Matrix 4 as opposed to having spring 2022. Um, Dune got knocked back an entire year. So they just did that whole trailer debut in that event we just sat through. It was like Fast and Furious Part 2, right? Oof. Like they just did a whole trailer event debut and now we're not even going to get this thing. It was supposed to come out. Um, it was supposed to be December 18th. Now it's going to be October 1st of It will give people time date. to read the books. <laughs> yeah, or forget that this movie or all movies even existed. <laughs> oh, no. So those are the latest. Um, they weren't the only ones. Our, our hometown hero from the beginning of this, James Bond, no Time to Die, I mean, really kind of started this bleeding by jumping its date back. It finally gave up. I mean, when COVID hit, we were kind of laughing at James Bond at first. Now we were kind of saying it was the smart one to jump back an entire, like from, you know, what was it, spring or early summer of this year till November. Well, now it's kind of va- vacated that spot too, and it will release on April of 2021. And this is kind of, like I said, it was just the start of a massive hemorrhaging because what the, all of these delays we just kind of went through effectively did was clear out the rest of the schedule of, of major blockbuster tentpole movies for the most part, um, which are now just non-existent for the rest of this year, which has forced, of course, theater chains to close. So we got announcements from, and I'm still like, you know, forgive me, like I said, I'm still like on the road trying to keep up with everything falling apart. A lot uh, happened. <laughs> Cineworld, yeah, is closing. Uh, Regal Cinemas is closing. Matt, you tease the one that's still with us, and that would be? Cinemark. <laughs> Cinemark is still here. Who has uh, evidently just been, like, sitting on cash for <laughs> so long and, like, are evidently equipped to last until, like, through 2021 if this continues. And I'm like, good Lord, like, Cinemar making bank, evidently. Yeah, and knowing how to save for a rainy day. Good for them. Um, so there you go. Cinemark's still open. But, I mean, this is it. Like, that's one theater chain, you know? Yeah. Movie theaters are effectively now drive-ins. Like, Well, and that was the big thing also that kind of affected Cinemark was that Cinemark is one of the few that doesn't have a ton of locations, like, in New York. Like, they're not kind of tied like some of the other theater chains are to these huge blocks of their theaters not being able to even remotely be open because the cities won't let them. Whereas Cinemark is kind of not as tied to that. They're doing the know? second runs and all that and with the dollar movies and the $3 movies. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be something. I, I mean, Hey, kudos to Cinemark for being able to stay open, but yeah. Has yeah. AMC said anything? I don't think AMC. So from what I've seen, AMC has not officially said anything yet, okay. but um, it's kind of hard to see them operating in, in justifying operating costs with, yeah. with no movies, which is the whole thing here. Theaters need movies to attract people. If there are no movies that people right. are willing to risk their lives for, then there's, <laughs> you're paying people just to do nothing all day. And if you uh, ever worked in a theater Power before, bills, yeah, you worked property, in a theater before, you tech, know how yeah. much wasteful that actually is when nobody's coming in. Right. Um, so like, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a big thing. And it's a general question of will they be able to reopen? Everybody's pushing these movies back and betting like theaters are going to come back, but it's like, that's not a guarantee. And there's now a lot of fighting that. like that's happening. People are, right. people are turning on Chris Nolan saying that Tenet helped <laughs> kind of kill this whole thing. Um, yeah, people. Are oh, wow. I didn't hear that. It. Oh, yeah. There's articles out about how Tenet actually kind of helped progress the the kind of collapse of theaters by doing oh my gosh thing and well be- and, you know it's it's weird right because of part of it is because of the astronomical cut that the studio took on tenant like the cut is something weird I, I was reading something along the lines of where it's like i think it was like 64 percent, from what i understand of like the studio was keeping that so yes they were releasing their movie but like the theater chains that were showing it weren't being able to keep a ton of the the profits from that so like yes you get a new movie but eh, you're kind of you're not really making a ton and also the because there's that and it's also because warner brothers was kind of at the heart of the head of 
charging into big movies are now back in theaters. That was literally a marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. So you had theaters open up and kind of do this thing like it's back to business. And then Tenet just kind of crapped the bed. And then like, like you said, they took a big cut. So all you did was get them to open up and, and get back to like paying and putting out their expenses without making any money. Yeah, now you have so, movies like that Robert De Niro grandpa thing or like the movies that are coming to keep to keep theaters open. And you're like, oh, that's not okay. Exactly. So like, yeah, I mean, this is just a mess and it's just more stuff we got to figure out in 2020. And I mean, it's not a guarantee. I mean, I don't know even like, I don't mean to be doing anything, but I honestly don't know like how the theater model goes, like what happens from here, because this is, this is going to be a pretty nuts hole to kind of climb out of. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't mean to be that either, but I will say I don't see how at the end of this, we're not missing at least one major theater chain. Like I I don't, I I feel like we will have movies. There will be some that are fine and weather it and, you know, cuts close, but I don't know if everyone sadly makes it, makes it out of this. and, And we have all of these theater chains when we're. No, I feel like it's going to become. Like, so like when I was living in New York and doing this, like every studio has its own theater, like private theater for like screenings and like screening rooms. And I feel like it's going to be more like that. Like everybody streaming and all those companies and studios will kind of streaming will be the main thing. And then for like big event movies, there'll also be like, like the studio will have its own like screening house or whatever. It'll be smaller in scale, uh, more kind of like the size of art house theaters used to be, but it'll be like owned by Amazon and Amazon mm. big block, you know, content movies will run on there and before streaming or whatever, and they'll figure it out, but it will, it'll be owned by each studio who will be able to offer, you know, that premium experience for fans who want to see it on a big screen. But I don't know. I feel like the main thrust of content will then now go to streaming and stuff like that. So we'll see. All right. Our it's business crazy. is going to change. Yeah. But Seriously. From that doom and gloom to some uh, good news, somebody who could still get some money out of this whole game, Mr. Ryan Reynolds. So there's apparently these uh, rumors from uh, Daniel RPG, who we trust as a kind of Marvel insider source that says the debate behind Marvel Studios doors is kind of signing Ryan Reynolds to this massive deal for the MCU. And it's supposed to be the most money for him but also I think he'd be like the highest paid MCU actor and it would basically kind of set his character up as Deadpool to make several appearances. Well, I don't even know. Is it strictly Deadpool or is it just Ryan Reynolds? It wasn't really uh, clear. Yeah. Right. That's not yeah. really clear. No, I mean, I would imagine it's Deadpool though. Yeah. I assume. Well, I mean, Deadpool, but it could be Deadpool plus. Cause I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can do with a Ryan Reynolds who doesn't have his face burnt or in a mask. True. Yeah. That, which would be very interesting, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, I mean, people have changed over a bunch of times. So, I mean, it's not like this has happened a couple times. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. So that's a good thing, right? Like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds gets some money. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, the man works hard. He got Deadpool off the ground, and he is like a one-man PR machine. So, you know, oh, yeah. I can see that. Like he, he I never cared stumps. about gin before. Right? <laughs> or mobile yeah. plans. Yeah. Normally, and a man I, comes to me with a mobile plan and I run to the other side of the street. <laughs> yeah. And I suddenly watch those ads. Why? Because they're entertaining. Yeah. Not yeah. So, I mean, he's a brilliant marketer in like, yeah, like I said, he's a one man PR machine. So he would be doing like, it's not like you're just hiring him just for the acting part. You probably have him doing stuff on Twitter and like, you know, all yeah. that stuff. So. It's That's really true. interesting to look at the list, which I'm revisiting right now, that Thor, so Chris Hemsworth was the highest earner in the MCU. Um, and then obviously Robert Downey Jr., then Bradley Cooper, then Scarlett, then Chris Evans. I love how I'm on a first name basis with Scarlett Johansson. Like, <laughs> and Sc- my girl Scarlett. And Scar uh, Joe. It's just, it's what? crazy to see, you know, you would always, I don't know, for me, I would have always assumed that Robert Downey Jr. was the highest paid MCU. And he, That's in the surprising beginning, to me. Well, yeah, in the beginning he was. Yeah. Like, but remember, like, he cut out doing Iron Man films, like, when? Like, way back in 2013. Right. Yeah, so. And it's really and cool to see. he also made a ton in the back end. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yes. So I don't, is that, can, is that calculated in this, or is that just I salary? I don't think so. Yeah, I, think I don't think just... so. I think it's salary as an actor. Like, yeah, yeah, he also had, like, all kinds of, I helped start the MCU, like, 
back pay money right. coming into him. So he's so got cool. Like, yeah. Um, and I think last... that was part of his renegotiation was for mm-hmm. that. Cause I remember covering that when he had, cause that was a big thing. We thought he wasn't going to be Iron Man for a minute when he came up to renegotiation. Time. Oh my gosh. And then, like, yeah. And then he signed that thing that basically said he gets Marvel money for life or something like that. <laughs> like nice. something crazy. So I just yeah, think that's really just... interesting. The Forbes listed six MCU actors amongst the top 100 highest paid actors in all of Hollywood. That's just really, really cool. Uh, yeah, nerds unite. <laughs> That's right. We have and a role here. The nerds aren't getting paid off this. Like, right, yeah. I know, People but we're People not helping. necessarily ever read a comic book or getting paid off this. <laughs> Good for them. We've been entertained. Um, we're going to jump from there over to uh, a little bit of horror. Then we'll do Witcher because um, we'll let Matt go and do his thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got an announcement just before we came in here about this Resident Evil movie reboot, which kind of uh, revealed... It's cast, and uh, what a cast it is, right? Like, it's, uh, it's pretty good. We have uh, Kaya Scoladero, who is uh, from the Maze Runner, and uh, she's going to be – oh, this thing keeps scrolling. Stop scrolling. Uh, she'll be playing Claire, Claire Redfield. Our boy, Robbie Amell, who came on the yeah. show and uh, did an interview with us, he'll be playing Chris Redf- Redfield, her brother. Such a good choice. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. John Kamen will be playing uh, Jill, Lock- Jill Valentine – Avon Joyga will play Leon, uh, and Tom Hopper from Umbrella Academy will be playing the villain Albert Wesker, which I love. Yeah, that's that a casting. great casting. Um, yeah, because that's Klaus, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Klaus. So Klaus will be Albert Wesker. He's just such a, he's just enough of an a hole. He's good in everything. Yeah. That dude, like every, <laughs> every single and thing. I he also does. love my favorite Neil McDonald will play uh, William Birkin. Uh, yeah, because Neil McDonald, if you don't remember, he's uh, he played uh, Dum Dum Dugan in the MCU, and he was um, Damien oh, Dark. Damien Dark in the Arrowverse, and if there's anything he does so well, it's just come in and chew scenery up and and he plays it. that like snotty holier than thou <laughs> character so well, and yeah. that's oh he's perfect. the man, and so that's uh, yeah for William Birkin, that's perfect. So. That casting kind of got people's attention for sure. Like, I mean, I love Mila Jovovich, but this is this is not quite the same casting. Ugh. No, get that out of here. I'm so happy that <laughs> that this is like a. I mean, because like the director came out and gave his take on like the origin story, and that this is really a. From what he said, it was very much like a, a hearkening back to the f- first Resident Evil and the second Resident Evil, and it's going to be like set in Raccoon City. And he didn't mention like the mansion specifically or the police station or any of that stuff. But it seems like with the characters involved, we're going to get some kind of mishmash of the first two. And it's going to be like with Birkin in it, it, it feels like, oh, T and G virus stuff. Like we're really going to get the survival horror thing and not this weird action yeah. craze crud that was the, <laughs> the Resident Evil series. I love if, it, the original. if I'm not making it clear, I don't like those movies. I, I like do them like a, them. But... Yeah, a guilty pleasure. But Me too. Guilty pleasure. I like them own. for their own thing. And I think that that's what's cool about this is they can have, you know, their fans and like the people who love it can honor that and appreciate that. And the people who want this other side like Matt get that too. It's great. It's, it's nice. It's great. Yeah, well, it's really okay. good to see this. It's great because for the last however many years, there's like seven of those movies. There's too many. And, yeah, and there was nothing else really other than the games. So right. now it's like this combined with the Netflix animated CG series that is also going to be like a reinterpretation of the mythos and it's going to be Leon and Claire. Um, that is also really interesting. So like there's a lot of really cool stuff that actually feels like Resident Evil, even if they go doing new stuff with it, as opposed to just like, oh, you either have the games or you have this <laughs> Alice, whatever this is. So yeah, yeah no, I'm nice. I mean, I hope that they just basically combine the stories of the first two in, in the two different locations in inside the mansion and like what's happening there and simultaneously like what's happening in the city and kind of like converge the two. Like that'd be, that'd be kind of cool. Um, I think that makes a great movie. Yeah. All right. But that's pretty cool. That's now on our radar because, like I said, that cast sounds good. But, I mean, you're downplaying it, but it also sounds like this will have some pretty good action. I mean, Robbie Amell, uh, Caius Galadero. I mean, these are oh, people yeah. who are like, it, yeah. Action is about, like, it's going to have some action scenes, of course, but, like, the comparison is 
like night and day. Yes, to we won't have slow mo running up walls and yeah, <laughs> less Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Just... Well, the world was really feeling the Matrix back then. Like yeah. I loved. We that's why I liked in, it. Honestly, we were all in wire foo for the next ten years. Yes, just, true. That true. really was. <laughs> I do hope we get back the laser grid, though. Like I do hope Ooh, we get that back again. I agree again. Yeah, the laser grid is is <laughs> so so good. All right, so that's the. Re- I muted. That's the Resident Evil reboot. Let's move right along. Matt, tell us everything you're excited to talk about with The Witcher. Get it out of your system. Hey! Uh, So, yeah. So, Henry Cavill gave us a look at uh, Geralt's new armor uh, from season two. And uh, uh, Lucinda Wright is the new costume designer uh, for season two. I'd liked Geralt's season one armor. I actually thought it it looked pretty cool. This is, like, far more... This is far more like armory, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, it's got like like the ab shield thing built right. in. It's got like that was a little it's, it's more centurion. It's it's more okay. like traditional armor. I was thinking you superhero. It looks yeah, like superhero. It's very much like that. I mean, I don't I kind of reserve my thing to actually I see it in action because we got a lot of this from the first season. You guys are like, teaching me to do that. Well, because be we got patient. a lot. Of, I remember when the first images of Geralt came out from season one, and the armor and like the hair and everyone shirtless was like, in the rah, in the tub. And well, then, that's what we said right. the same thing too. We said it yeah. looked too pretty. It looked too. <laughs> and clean. then when it was in action, it looked damn good. So yeah. I mean, I'm very much like I want to see it in action. I don't love it. I like the last one, but I'm I'm willing to kind of hold judgment out. But yeah, right. so we got that. Uh, we also got the next day. We got a look at series. Uh, new costume, which is like a big change up from her kind of more royal uh, outfit from the first season and just like downtrodden person. Now she's training and that kind of tied in with the synopsis for season two, which also came out, uh, which is, you know, for those who follow the books, they know kind of the next part of this story is that Geralt takes Ciri to Kermoran and trains her. She's going to be, you know, there aren't any female witchers uh, in this world. So he's going to kind of train her to be a witcher and so you see like the outfit is very much more in keeping with like Geralt's clothes from season one there's the training sword uh there was actually a, a set photo that showed a uh, scene being filmed where like this tree had been uh charred and split in two and we're thinking that's with series powers uh which we kind of saw a tease of that in season one which aren't in the books at all that's completely new um, mm-hmm. so I'm actually interested to see what that builds um and then we got, uh, we've, we've recently got some uh, kind of extra details on like where this picks up. Uh, Geralt thinks Yennefer is, is dead because the, bottle, uh, the Battle of Sodden that we saw in season one, kind of, he doesn't know where she is. And so we're kind of, her whereabouts are kind of mysterious. So uh, he takes her straight to Kaer Morin, which is like the fortress uh, for the White Wolf School. So a lot of cool stuff going on uh we're probably going to get as you hear this you'll probably have already seen yennefer's new costume because it seems like they're going to be releasing something every day until like a full trailer uh we still don't actually have like a release date for season two yet like a straight up confirmed one um but it will be interesting to see kind of what happens next so do we have any kind of idea like i know we don't have the actual date but Kind of no, because <laughs> so it's going to definitely be if it's if it's anything, I would say mid to late 2021. That's because your, your guess. I like that's it. my guess because okay. there's the anime uh, that is focused on uh, Vesemir, and that one is was kind of slated to come out in between, and that was okay. but that was kind of before COVID. So right. the the idea was oh 2021 or sorry 2020 would be the anime prequel and then 2022 or sorry 2020 would be god this is so confusing 2020, yeah, 2020 would be the best year spin off and then 2021 would be season two of the witcher yeah um of course now there's like blood origin that we have no idea where that fits in yeah uh, there's also another uh we got news a report that said there is a possible mage spinoff series in so development cool. so this is like huge witcher verse stuff going on but i'm hoping i only know this from the games so now I'm even more motivated. I'm probably going to go ahead and start read reading the books? books. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yes. think it's time. I'm about done with my Harry Potter and I don't know where to go. I was going to go Dune, but I feel like I should no. go Witcher. Okay. Go Witcher. Okay. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, what's going on in the Witcherverse. You got that out of your system? You good? I did. I did. I really did. 
All right. There you go. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to deep dive into the return of The Walking Dead, plus what is going on in the world of comics. So check all of that out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, so we're back. And like I said, we got to talk about the return of uh, Janelle's major main beat, The Walking Dead. So when we last saw, we were before COVID, wiped everything out. Back in the spring, Walking Dead was getting ready to air its big finale for season 10. That got completely kind of thrown off. And now what we've found out since then is that this season 10 has been extended by about six episodes, I believe. Yes. Uh, so we're going to have a longer season 10 and a new chapter of the story, which obviously we're going to get into full spoilers in a minute. But if you saw how the Whisper War finale ended, you, know, you can see clearly where, what the next chapter is going to look like. Plus, we're going to get one more season before the show ends and breaks out into a bunch of other kind of spinoffs and new projects and things like that. So kind of a pivotal time and a pivotal, pivotal return point for The Walking Dead. Plus, we got The Walking Dead... It's new limited series, The Walking Dead World Beyond. So we're going to talk about all of that in full spoilers right now. All right, Janelle Wheeler, this is your time to shine. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, Walking Dead time. So why don't you guys get, why don't you give us the breakdown of uh, your, what happened and your impressions and your kind of take? Because we got two things. And AMC was kind of sneaky because I tried to watch this on all demand. And they just packaged both shows it as one. did. Yes. I messed up too. I, and I was tried like, to. Wow. And that's why Walking they did it. Like, yeah, that's why they did <laughs> it. And then Walking Dead was ending. And I was like, whoa, this is only halfway done. I was waiting for like a movie length Walking Dead here. Me like, too. what's going on? And then it was like, The Walking Dead, World Beyond. And I was like, man. Uh, but they I'm had glad you say like, that. I get up. I was too tired to get up. Yeah. But so did you end up watching both? Yeah. Yeah. I watched okay. both. Okay, good. Then you can talk with me on this. Uh, Matt, did you watch these? I did not, but not I'm very intrigued. Uh, okay. world beyond so i'm so here. i am not gonna lie just my thoughts like right off the bat was whisperer war finale was a little lacking um and i think it has a lot to do with kofi just said i think that it was a very short episode for f- such a huge buildup, and i wish they would have put more struggle i guess in this it felt like everything just kind of worked out for our group like <laughs> the episode starts they're surrounded by walkers in a very terrible circumstance that you don't think anything can happen. Um, you know, Father Gabriel kind of teases us with, you know, we have all these, here's my hand and each finger represents a different camp or basically a different group of people that are going to help us get through this. And so I'm waiting for these like huge group reveals, you know, for the whole episode, I'm waiting for this moment that it all kind of wraps up together. And instead it's just kind of like, Oh, like, Maggie jumps in with one other person to save the day, which is very odd. Or like our own group saved themselves by going out into the horde. Um, the I don't know. I just, it didn't feel like a big enough payoff for me. Um, but I know that they were limited with what they could do because of everything that shut down. And, you know, I, I get it. And they wrapped it up and they finished the storyline. Um, Beta had a very nice moment in his demise. I really loved, or I guess the new alpha. Um, he, first and foremost, awesome. Cause Norman Reedus, like we got the double eye plunge of daggers in his head. And um, it was just a really cool moment because Beta kind of dies in this very, poetic way where he's almost like getting crowd surfed by walkers, um, which is really cool because it kind of aligns with the idea that he was a famous musician and he would be crowd surfing, uh, you know, 
fans at a concert or something. I, that's what I kind of aligned it with. I was like, oh gosh, he has like that's his cool. adoring fans, which are the walkers, just kind of like come, they're falling all over him. And in his own mind, he like, as he was dying, he kind of thought of it as that way. Like they were praising him and loving on him and hugging him and stuff instead of just like ripping him apart, uh, which is kind of cool. And then my favorite moment of the entire series is when Negan recognizes him. And he goes to Daryl and he goes, do you know who that, do you know who that was after he dies? <laughs> and uh, Daryl's like, yeah, he's nobody because, you know, not, nothing matters from the life before. It doesn't matter who you were before. It doesn't matter how famous you were. Like we all go down the same way in this world. So uh, that was really rewarding. I liked that. Uh, and we had the, you know, reuniting of Maggie with our group, which was very bittersweet. You know, we didn't get a Michonne. Um, and we also didn't see a reaction of Maggie to Negan, which I was shocked. Like what they're standing in the same vicinity and yet they don't even acknowledge that they're in the same room or not in the same room. They're in the same forest. (laughs) But it's, those were the things that I was kind of like, oh my gosh, so much potential. We didn't get it. Um, I'm hoping that with, you know, the next episodes that come forward that we do get those, you know, trials and tribulations. Maggie does have like a sidekick who is crazy, like a superhero, a masked somebody who is just taking daggers and like fast, like a ninja taking out walkers, which is super cool. Um, So that's something to look forward to, to see who that is, the big reveal. And then of course, the other big moment was uh, Eugene and his camp of people who are out trying to find this woman he's been in contact with, uh, get surrounded by basically stormtroopers in the middle of nowhere. And they are done. Drop your weapons, like we're going to shoot if you don't. And that's just like the cliffhanger we're left with. If you haven't read the comics, uh, you're like, oh my gosh, these are, these are stormtroopers. Like, what is this? They're like all white plastic. You have no idea. Um, so I don't want to spoil it because oh, that wait, is something. Are those from, oh, I won't either. Okay. Right. So <laughs> if you don't know, if you don't know, you have some cool stuff coming forward, which I will save for the listeners in case they don't know. Because I, I have found that like I myself got into The Walking Dead TV show before I ever read the comics. I only read the comics because of the TV show. So I try to read along with the development of the TV show kind of so that I don't spoil it for myself, but sometimes I do. And I totally spoiled that for myself, (laughs) but it's really cool. Um, It's great to see our familiar people on screen. We almost had the death of Carol, but luckily she dodged that. um, Thanks to Lydia uh, and of course, like they always do, they got out of it alive. We only lost a few people. Um, and I think moving forward that I was very judgmental of all of these trailers for World Beyond. Very judge. I was not excited about it. I was like, this is a coming of age, like stupid 80s flick. Like, I don't like this. And then I watched it. I gave it a chance. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. I think it was very well done. And I'm intrigued. I'm interested in these characters. I, um, the end of the episode drops a massive, like, life-changing thing upon the viewers. Uh, so it, it isn't just some, like, bratty kids wanting to go out and prove themselves in the world of the walkers. It's people are escaping something very, very bad without knowing it. Something, there's like a massacre and they dodged a bullet by wanting to go save someone they care about. I don't want to, I don't know if I want to spoil it too much. Do you guys want, what do you think, Kofi? Oh, oh, oh. you have me intrigued. I would totally yeah. listen yeah, to a spoiler. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little a more spoiler. serious. Well, it's a full spoilers discussion. It's okay. Go ahead, so basically there's a, young, there's a young lady um, and she has a sister and her mother um, was killed during a weird traumatic event that we still don't really know what it's all about. We think it's like a plane crash. We don't really know into their community that was established. It's been 10 years since then. And um, their father is their number one scientist in their community. He decided to go venture out to another um, civilization that is, I think, out by New York. I think that's right. Somewhere. We don't know where. They uh, won't Portland. let people. Oh, yeah, Portland. Okay, Oklahoma thank you. Portland. 
Thank you. So they won't let them communicate. They won't let him send anything back. They won't let anyone send anything to him. And that's how everyone is in the community. It's a very weird community. It, they have helicopters. They they have this like well-oiled machine. Um, they are a serious civilization. They have a type of president figure. It's a woman um, who the daughter doesn't, actually both of the daughters don't really trust and uh, you just kind of, they build upon that. Like, who are these people? Why are they in this, you know, kind of smaller community? Um, and how do they handle walkers now? Like, one of the doctors, one of the psychiatrists uh, that is obviously on her last leg, she's dying, she's on oxygen and stuff. They have bars over her door. So if she dies, like, they already know, they, they have a, a system, right? Yeah. We know someone's on their deathbed, we're going to bar their doors, and, you know, they can have visitors and stuff like that. But now we, you know, they, they know how to do things, which is good. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just, it's interesting, that part, and you just kind of think like, why am I getting all this information about all these random things? And then luckily at the very end, it all kind of comes together when the daughters receive a kind of like Morse code help emergency situation from their father in the other community. And um, the girls kind of take it upon themselves to leave. They want to escape or not even escape, but they're going to leave the community to go find their dad because they know he's in danger. And they always had a bad feeling anyways. So uh, we see them kind of gearing up and taking on their first walkers out beyond the walls. And meanwhile, back in the community, um, that president woman of the other civilization pretty much massacred the entire place and it's left on a cliffhanger and you're like well thank god those girls left but they have no idea what's coming after them and they have no idea what's going on in this other civilization but clearly something is weird <laughs> and bad well, i mean i was kind of the opposite of janelle i actually really liked the finale and i didn't really like walking dead world beyond i thought it was interesting but boring up until me too the last <laughs> 10 minutes in which uh, like they actually drop a lot of interesting things like there's a connection between like one of the sisters and this kid they hook up to travel with, who is this like seemingly oh gosh, nerdy yes. kid at first, but can be who already seems like he can be a lot crazier once the things get like going that they're now traveling with. Um, yeah, there's this big connection. And just the backstory of the girls is interesting and kind of the things they went through with their dad and their mom and when it, when the sky fell, as they called it, like which was, you know, the collapse of civilization. And then the big twist at the end with the, which I had to watch twice because I, I didn't know the community well enough to understand what was happening the first time. Same. I had to rewind it, but yeah. Um, I mean, you could have missed it. You could have yeah. literally yeah. gone to grab a snack or something and then they been like, make no. it. It's not like any kind of real screaming clues that this is the same place, but you basically find out that, yeah, so they're the kind of colonel or the leader, the military leader from the other community is she has these weird interactions with the girls between the episodes because she kind of respects them, even though the one sister like flips her off and like hates her and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, you find out that she's a lot more dangerous than you think because she smiles in everybody's face and says all this stuff about a truce. But then she literally comes back and you can see that she blew down the walls and slaughtered everybody there and just kind of, yeah. So this other community is really more of a fascist community um, that we're finding out. Yeah. And it could have ties to what we saw on the walking dead and all this stuff. So yeah, it was, it was interesting at the end now that there's real stakes attached. I didn't care for like the teenage angst, personal story of trauma and stuff like that. Um, I was okay with that, but See, that yeah, sounds now, awesome. I will, I will probably watch that. Yeah. At least so, I yeah. will give the opening episode a question. Where does this exist? Timeline wise with Ten the years. other shows, 10 years, 10 years after the collapse after? of society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. Sure. Um, so I would say a few years down the road from like the events of the Walking Dead series. Um, I actually thought just to try to touch back and close it up, but uh, I thought the finale was good because even though it was short, I had to remember that this was an episode that was supposed to come like in a sequence of episodes that had been really good. And this was just supposed to be like the last one. It became something much bigger in the months since. Yeah. We had yeah that's it. a lot of pressure. It got built up into something much bigger, but it, it as a, I always usually like the Walking Dead penultimate episodes of a finale better than the actual finales. Uh, mm. So the second to last episode is usually like when the most exciting stuff happens. But I actually really like this finale. 
I, I thought it was really well directed and made. And it was very well directed. And even correct. though I'd seen a lot of Walking Dead and a lot of zombie stuff, they the way they just presented the things here was really like edge of your seat pretty much the entire time. From from the moment they let them, they kind of slather themselves up with guts and let all those walkers into that pen, into the room with them, and had to kind of filter out through the horde. I love that sequence because I love that sequence in the comics and. Uh, this one made it so much better than it was in the comics. Like this was so good. Like them, just the sheer amount of terror of watching all those people try to the chess game of trying to get through the horde, uh, you know, having the, the archers take out and wound the whispers and watching them get torn apart. Then beta tightening things. And, and that whole nine yards um, was really good. And I really did like them seeing them slip back into the crowd and kind of turn the tables and just start slaughtering the whispers and Negan and, and Daryl combining to take down Beta was was awesome. And, you know, that was that was pretty good. So I actually I actually really good. I didn't like the cheesy Carol cliff ending. I thought that was a little cheesy. I agree. And I was like, there's Ooh. no way Carol's going over the cliff. Like, stop it. Like, well, well, also, we, we, don't, knew. we know that they have a spinoff. Spin yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, yeah. I also don't understand how Carol is like that. Yeah. Mentally, crazy like, about her, about um, Lydia. I don't. Uh, they're acting like they are just like, they just love each other. I'm like, wait, do you, are you really that close? Like, well, I'm not, I didn't have a problem with that as, as opposed to like, I didn't believe Car- Carol's character arc that she still wants to jump off a cliff. Yeah. Like that's how far gone she is still. Like you got revenge for Henry or whatever his name was that, you know, cheap knockoff Carl. You got your revenge <laughs> for him. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's all good. Like you're not jumping off cliffs anymore. Like, uh, okay. Like, so but otherwise, I thought it was a really well-directed episode and, like real, like I said, really well-done well battle. And that was by far, I think, since the Frank Darabont season two premiere, that was the scariest kind of presentation of what a horde is and, like, just how messed up it is to, to Yeah, face, adding like, the whispers to it. Um, yeah. Not even that, just the sheer number of zombies and just seeing what, like, they did a great job of seeing what happened the instant somebody made any kind of sound in the crowd. Like, a dozen zombies just ripped you apart, like, in seconds you were just ripped to shreds and like a stain and it was just like holy crap that is scary um so yeah i actually i actually enjoyed the fun the finale of the whisper war and i enjoyed this arc it's one of my i mean it, it may be one of if not my favorite arcs in the walking dead because especially i i like it with rick grimes gone and how the other ensemble really took on that challenge and the unexpectedness of who head of whose heads ended up on the pikes and that whole twist with alpha to the twist of Alpha's death and, and this final showdown with Beta and all that. And it's just a lot of really great episodes in this arc from the Alpha meeting Beta episode to Daryl fighting Beta and all that stuff. Like, you know, all just a lot of good moments. And so, man, I'm, I can see why The Walking Dead really might end after in another season because I don't know if it's ever going to get better than this. So, yeah. Of all the wars we've had in this show, mm-hmm. Governor, sa- uh, Saviors, this was the best. So. Um, really, really glad how this mm, I'm still team governor. I love the governor. Yeah, I did love the governor. Yeah. Uh, Alpha's by far my, Alpha and Beta were by far my best villains. And because those like two Alpha actors. in the comics. Samantha Morton, I mean, she was so, oh, she was really good in this. She was great though. You're right. And I'm so bummed that Harlot's got canceled because I, I love her in that too. All right. You guys haven't watched that. <laughs> no, I, 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 I was just going to move on. I didn't even know. It's about brothels and Sorry. prostitutes. It's fine. <laughs> Yay. You keep your CD life out of this podcast. All right. So oh, my gosh. You can find that at Janelle Wheeler, Twitch OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, for more on that. Um, but, uh, no, we're going to get into comics. So, uh, moving right along. Let's get into comics. Matt, why don't you run down what's new for us this week and then. We're going to discuss some things in detail. Yeah, so of course the big one this week is Batman number 100, which we will get into. uh, The end of the Joker War and the setup for a bunch of other things to come. We also have Amazing Spider-Man number 49, Wolverine. Oh, so here's how uh, (laughs) X of Swords uh, is, of course, in each of the X-Men books. So I'm going to go through which chapters... Because uh, there's like three this week that you need to kind of keep track of. So uh, the first one is Wolverine number six. That is chapter three. Then we have X-Force number 13. That is chapter four. And then we have Marauders number 13, which is chapter five. So all of those, and you need to read them in order if you want to go ahead and get the full story. Uh, we also have Amazing Spider-Man number 49, uh, Thor number eight. Uh, we have Die number 14. Deceased Dead Planet number four. This is a big week, by the way. Star Wars number seven. Deadpool number seven. Decorum number 
five. Far Sector, number eight. We only find them when they're dead, number two. Black Widow, number two. Champions, number one. American Vampire, 1976, number one. Glad to see that series back. Spider-Man, Marvel Snapshots, number one. Ultraman, The Rise of Ultraman, number two. Bang, number four. Inkblot, number two. Transformers, Back to the Future, number one. So that is a packed week of comics. And there's actually, like, another giant chunk that I did not name. Those are just kind of some of the highlights. But it is a huge week uh, in comics this week. So that's new comics. Comics coming back for that money. All right, so let's talk. We've been meaning to talk. Matt decided to take an impromptu day off, and we had a lot to do last week, and so we were without comics in our discussion. Uh, yeah, there was a lot going on, but uh, you left the people hanging last week. So <laughs> let's talk about a couple things. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Exoswords. Have we talked about Exoswords? We have uh, not. We didn't talk about, uh, oh, God, creation? creation? Yeah. Man, it's been a while. Okay, so... We're going to do that. We're going to talk about Three Jokers too, but uh, let's start with Batman 100. So Batman 100 was the end of the big Joker War arc, and um, we're going to talk full spoilers for these comics that we're reviewing. So they've been out. I mean, Batman 100, by the time you have heard this, it's, it's already out, so we're good. Um, and these other two are even older, so all right. So uh, now that we've read Joker War and we got to the end of it, I, I'm pretty ready to stack this up next to Empire as the second worst Big oh man i've read in Ouch. i mean at least this year in the last year um and and unfortunately i think i think we were right ultimately about this arc following tom king's excellent city of bane which actually did and i'll say this is why i mean i gave joker war a chance right up till the end but when i got to the end i feel like this is by far for a story that claimed to be like the final batman versus joker story like, this one didn't even really reach a good point. It's such a muddled ending, like, thematically and even narratively. Just the, the ending is so crazy, just muddled and weird and, and doesn't feel like a really well-fleshed-out idea. Um, basically, if you weren't paying attention, Joker basically got a hold of Batman, of Bruce Wayne's fortune. He knows his identity. He got hold of his fortune. Um, he used that to basically secure police and political power in Gotham. And he was basically the biggest power influencer in Gotham. Uh, and he did use it to cause chaos, violence and death and, and kind of keep Batman without his tools. And Batman basically had to find a way to kind of just get back on his game because he also drugged him with a Joker toxin and made him see visions of dead Alfred. There was all this stuff. Batman had to get back on his game, apologize to the Bat family for the umpteenth time and, and stage a major kind of coordinated comeback. And Joker's big finale plan was to pile people into Gotham movie theaters to tell them who Batman was, you know, that he was Bruce Wayne, and then kill them uh, and mimic kind of like the Wayne murders uh, and, and really kind of drive that home. This finale, uh, this, so the finale chapter, and he, in his final showdown, he put on this shoot of shiny Batman armor that was supposed to be Batman's reward for building a brighter, better Gotham and becoming a better Batman one day. And he and Joker battled it out. So this last final issue is really kind of dialogue heavy. It's Joker kind of t telling us more about his plan than actually showing us and trying to tell us what Joker wars. It's literally a comic finale of the writer telling you what his story has been about and like what, why it's so deep and profound and this big change for Batman. It's like, and the Joker's just literally saying all of this out loud. Like Joker's Batman therapist in this one for, for some reason. Um, and it's a really weird thing. And like, it just feels so bland. It feels like nothing really changes or moves these characters in this story. Like Batman doesn't flip out worse than ever and nearly beat Joker to death or anything. Like Joker doesn't like do anything crazier than we've seen him do before. And it all comes down to Harley trying to pull the knockoff Frank Castle move from Daredevil uh, guardian angel by strapping a bomb to herself and joker and saying batman you have to save only one of us and you have to make this decision like right now which is stupid and felt stupid for harley's character like i don't know harley quinn blowing herself up just to get batman to prove a point was just ridiculous to me and in the end joker escapes the the supposed unescapable choice by doing exactly what batman knew he would do and said out loud he was going to do before he did it and so joker's like gone nothing's solved like 
but he claims he they try to pull this Captain America Civil War like Zemo victory like I lost but I've really won because now Gotham will never be this good place <laughs> and it's like nothing in the story really resonates like that hard is that big of a change or, or or that big of an impact so I don't know this just felt like really muddled and and lost and I actually liked his dark design much better than this which was crazy because coming into that. <laughs> we were all kind of like, huh, I don't know what to think about this. And that, that turned out to be really, really interesting. I, I'm not as low on it as you are. I, I, Empire One was trash. So <laughs> that's a very low bar. Like, like AVX is still down there. Like there's a couple other ones down the rung. I, I actually really enjoyed this issue until we got to like that final third, I guess, where it really is like Tynan just you know, telling, it's a lot of exhibitions and telling you why the story matters, why Joker is doing this. And because I agree wholeheartedly, like once we get to the very end, Gotham has, yes, there are some things in Gotham that will change as like for the city, how they look at Batman, how they look at things. Like there are some things, but they're very subtle. Like they're not, this is not earth shattering stuff. And also, I mean, the city has been through like how many of these <laughs> things like, it's not so earth shattering. So I do agree. Like we, it feels we've come full circle by the end, but we haven't really gotten anywhere. I mean, Joker is alive. That is uh, said in the epilogue. So, I mean, he's not dead. He's still doing the same stuff. He then teases at the end. My biggest thing was that at the, in the epilogue, he teases another big event. So I'm like, why did we do this one? I thought this one was the final big thing. And then it's like, no, I have a final plan. I'm like, oh my God, like pick a lane. <laughs> like, if you're gonna, and then even if you're the gonna introduction deliver- of the new character Ghostmaker is just like, for this muddled reason, he's like, well, some muddled thing just happened in Gotham, but now it's a sure sign that I got to come. Now here's the thing on that. I will say that I hate one, I hate the name. The design is cool. I hate the name. Yeah. But I will say that that setup was a lot like the designer setup, which we balked at. And then he did some really cool stuff about like how the, how the characters past weaves in with Gotham and Batman. So like there was some really cool stuff there. I will, I will push that one off. I want to see, I want to see what that one is because I'm not going to balk this time. I'm going to learn from my mistake and go, well, maybe that's really cool. I, I will just say that like the end, I did like that Joker explains that, look the, the theaters and all that stuff was just to goad you like i i kind of like that that wasn't the big part of the plan the real part of the plan was just like this push and pull of like proving that gotham doesn't want batman i i like the harley moment of shooting him through the eye of like wanting to for real kill him because that is what should be done but then again, I don't like the thing that you were talking about with the bomb thing. I don't like any of that. Like, I was like, okay, it didn't, didn't really need that. I think it went off the rails. I actually thought the, did you read the epilogue to the Clown Hunter thing? I thought that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I thought and, that was the best thing from Clown Hunter. And I was like, and it's just awkward that it's like at the very end yes! of the story. Where was that? Why introduce yeah. this character if you didn't? It was so interesting once you got to see who this kid was and like why he was a psycho and like where he was coming from. And like, yeah, yeah and his character stuff now. about why didn't you like i've waited for you to save the day you didn't you didn't kill my parents you could have just solved that. like all that was really interesting so i was like where was this throughout the entire event why is this at the very instead end? of just splash pages of clown hunter standing around yeah it was okay. that so yeah i i agree this event was uneven this event did not deliver the like and it's just a waste of a title. Like, if you're going to create something called Joker War, like, it should yeah. be really, really well done and epic. And this just didn't feel like it. The, it didn't, we, we didn't really get very far from no. where we started. The exactly. Nightwing stuff was dope. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff was cool. The, the book is gorgeous, by the way. I thought the book was yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, no, it looked great. Yeah, yeah, it looked great. Um, but compared, again, to City of Bane, which, which actually made yeah. significant advancements in, like, Batman and understanding and who he is and dealt with big psychological things with his dad, with Alfred and, like, yeah. all that stuff. Bane, who kind of crippled him before. Like, it was great. Um, but all right. I'm not going to harp that's on that. That's why we're excited for Batman it. Catwoman because yeah. that's king. So. Yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, this wasn't Empire, like you said. Now it's time to something more positive, which is X of Swords which I'm not going to get too crazy deep because uh, Janelle also read his reading three jokers. So I would like to get to that a little bit of time. 
Oh, let's the see next one, two is in my mailbox right now. I know. Killing me, Smalls. I don't care, though. All Spoil right. the heck out of it. I'll still enjoy it. But uh, X of Swords, um, this is the kind of first big X-Men event since House of X, which we spent a lot of time on in season one of the podcast, really getting into that and dissecting that. Uh, X of Swords, I'm proud to say, is the one crossover this year that seems to be, and the one we hated on the most in the beginning, that surprisingly enough seems to be living up to, to standard the best. Um, it's a surprisingly good, if you skip Dawn of X just to know like a couple things happen in each book, that's fine. But this is a good kind of, the event and the scope and the feeling of importance that House of X had for the X-Men, this has recreated that. And it's done so on a more impressive level, in my opinion, because it's taken some of the weaker elements of the Dawn of X books that we were talking about, like all that stuff with Excalibur and Otherworld and the mystical stuff that felt kind of out of place with the X-Men. And it's made that feel all right at home. And it's only like Hickman, I think, who can really just pull all these strands together in a way that makes it feel like logical and organic and epic in scope at the same time. So if you don't know what X of Swords is about, um, part of the X-Men's new line, they have their new nation, their island of Krakoa. And in Excalibur's kind of first year, Dawn of X run, we began to learn more. And House of X alluded to this, but didn't go too deeply into it that Krakoa had this, the living island was much older than we thought, had this kind of ancient past that involved apocalypse where Krakoa was once a much bigger land called Araka. And one day some demonic entities kind of used a sword to invade this plane by cutting Krakoa or cutting Araka in half and creating two living islands, Araka and Krakoa. And there was a big major war fall in ancient times with what we now know are like some X-Men DC that Apocalypse formed with his horsemen. And so Apocalypse and his forces had to beat back these demonic hordes and seal the gate. And basically what Swords of X creation is about is this first issue is long, but it's very epic in scope. And what it does is it lays out that Araka was sealed. Otherworld is a world of two halves. There's a light half and a dark half. And Araka was basically sealed into the dark half, Ameth. And Apocalypse's horsemen have had to fight there for thousands of years. And now they want to get out of this hellscape and come back to the good half of their living island, which is Krakoa. They want to rejoin and retake Krakoa. And so they've been marching across Otherworld from the dark half. And now they've reached the midpoint, which is the Starlight Citadel, which guards the line between the light and the dark half and has a portal to Krakoa. And they wanted to go and invade Krakoa and take back that land in, in the mortal plane and not in this hellscape anymore. Uh, but the kind of goddess of the Omniverse, Saturn, or whatever her name is, Saturn, um, she decrees that, no, they're not going to just fight and do this bloody thing because she's all powerful. She's God. She reminds everybody. Uh, so they're going to have a tournament, kind of enter the dragon style with swords. And each team, each side, Krakoa and the evil hordes of Araco get to pick 10 champions. And they're going to be 10 sword battles. And that's what the first thing sets up. And I'm making that a lot simpler than it is. Jeez, man, it's so dense. <laughs> yeah, it's like 60 pages, nearly like 70 Overwhelm. pages. Overwhelm. But, yeah. but this is a thing, and I, and I think it's I said really I loved good. about it is that it, it, it basically is, I think we did talk about this because I remember talking a little bit with you and Jim about this, but what's good is it, it's very dense, but it, it makes the premise very simple. Each side needs 10 champions and they've got to win these sword fights. Otherwise it's doomed. Yeah. And so we've also seen the second chapter, which is in X Factor, um, which again is also, and I was kind of worried about when you got out of the main book, like are the main sort of X books, like X of Swords, what would it be like? But it, it, it's doing really good so far. Like X Factor. So what they're doing is they're going old school 90s X-Men crossovers, which is each book is important and matters and each chapter is in each book. So these are not tie-ins. These are actual chapters. But each chapter in a specific book highlights that book and its characters. So like X Factor has a lot of the X Factor team in it and kind of what they're doing and specifically like Polaris who gets given the prophecy of the 10 swords and trying to figure that out and like all this stuff and just basically trying to deal with what happened over in Otherworld because an X-Men's been killed. Um, there's major upsets to the resurrection protocols that happen because if you die in Otherworld in this mystical realm, Otherworld isn't just a mystical realm, it's the nexus of the Omniverse. So the person they bring back, you, once you die over there, like your soul 
that they draw back from there isn't necessarily the same soul from your reality. It's, it's your soul from any number of realities or they're still figuring that all out. So one character gets killed and they bring him back, but it's not him anymore, which is already setting the stage for, to be able to reboot certain X-Men characters. Yeah. That's so cool. Because they're pretty major players going into these sword fights. You got like Wolverine, Storm, Magneto, Professor Xavier, uh, Doug and Warlock, like, yeah, Gorgon, you know, Betsy Braddock, Betsy Braddock. Um, Yeah, there's there's major players going into this. And if they die, when they get resurrected, it won't be necessarily the same Magneto or Professor Xavier that we had before. So somebody's getting reinvented. I don't know who. I love that. That's super cool. So, yeah. Like I said, Hickman is good at kind of adding scope and, and scale. And it's not just him. I forget the second writer. But um, yeah, this is really cool stuff because this is, feels, again, like House of X. It feels like a big shift. And it's impressive to me that they're doing all this mystical stuff and making it fit with the X-Men and feel organic. And they've yeah. also somehow expanded the entire world and mythos of the X-Men even more. So now, like, again, now Marvel already has the foundation to launch like X-Men BC with Apocalypse mm-hmm and this team of super mutants, ancient mutants that he, he drops in just a one random line of dialogue to, to Xavier, you know, the person he's like, yeah. They're like, what, did it, what happened last time? And he's like, well, you know, I had to sacrifice all my children, his four horsemen, and like scores of godlike mutants whose names you've never known. And it's like, wait, what now? <laughs> like, yeah. And so, yeah, so they've kind of reinvented and they're just quickly expanding this out. And like I said, it's blessedly simple and exciting, this crossover. We have to watch these people go into the Marvel Universe and find and collect these different swords. And our own Jamie Lovett has done some excellent breakdowns on what the swords of Ten of Swords actually are and what they mean to different Marvel comics and storylines. So check that out on comicbook.com. But yeah, they got to go hunt down Ten Swords. And then we get to see Ten Sword Fights. Yeah. And main events, like big battles. Like, yeah. And somebody's dying at the end of each one of these. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty exciting, and you know there's going to be, of course, this is a this is a game of you know cosmic proportions. So there's going to be double crosses, things happening behind the scenes, you know, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I am here for the next months until like well into twenty, you know, into twenty twenty one. Exoswords has me here, so I'm excited. Well, that's super cool. That like I didn't really at the time when it was announced, like oh, it's going to be like a a, a traditional X Men event. And it's going to be in the individual books. I didn't really think for whatever reason, like, oh, you're going to get multiple chapters in a week. But of course, you're going to get multiple chapters in a week because yeah. these books release. So like, we're already at chapter five now, like this week, we're already at chapter five. So like, it's moving quickly yeah. too. Now we know which why is it's nice. 42 chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Because now it doesn't, when that was announced, I was like, oh, good Lord. Like I, that's a bit much, but here it doesn't feel like that because you're getting multiple books in a week so that that's nice so hopefully it also makes me think be... each team also has a secret fighter for the 11th because 11th and twin if both sides yeah. have 11 that's yeah. 22 chapters see hickman likes to play those games but uh, yeah x of swords x-men if you haven't been checking that out since house of x you you should jump in for this one it's really exciting and good very good yeah so check that out so uh let's talk three jokers too uh or do we want to wait janelle you want to wait Janelle, no, if Janelle I mean, has the two no books, problem. do you I have do. them? I, I literally, I've already read the first one and I actually really loved it personally. I thought it was great, but I don't think I am very critical for some reason. Why do I love everything? I don't know. <laughs> I uh, would be critical. I, think I mean, you are friends one, with Brandon Davis. Yeah. <laughs> the second one was sent into my PO box literally this morning. So um, I guess oh, go pick it up then. and read it later. Let's wait for her to fully read that and then... I mean, by then I'm going to be behind. I'm going to need the third one. <laughs> Richard says we reach our time limit anyway, so we can. Okay, uh, okay. 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 Right. I'm excited though, but please, if anybody is reading along, hit us up because I love discussing and I'm new to this whole series. And honestly, I've only read the Walking Dead comics, so I'm pumped. Well, actually, I've also read now Doctor Strange too. Read so Doctor probably, Strange, so. yes. yes. <laughs> People are going to be asking about House of M, dog. Oh, that's yeah, happening too. too. That yeah. is going to be happening too. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that'll, that'll do it. We've done uh, one DC and one Marvel today, so that's good. And uh, we'll have more of uh, extra sources <laughs> probably next show when we catch up with this week's chapters. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you're just getting into the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and every Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe, or I'm sorry, where you can uh, check out the show and, wa- and listen to it on the site, or you can listen to your favorite podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, 
uh, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists, iHeartRadio, and you can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcast, and it will start playing for you right there. If you want to talk to us, drop topics for the show, say what's up, or just follow along with our community, we now have the Twitter account, at Comic Book Nation, or you can always find us dropping the hashtag Comic Book Nation, so you can join us there, and uh, like I said, get regular updates about the show and everything you need to know, and just kind of what new stories we'll be talking about and our opinions on things. And uh, yeah, we're on that Twitter account. So uh, follow. If you like the show, go on Apple podcast and uh, leave us a five-star review. Cause one day when COVID blows over, we're going to get back in our offices and we have a whole merch closet and we're going to send a bunch of t-shirts out to our five-star fans as a sign of appreciation. So make sure you get in your five-star reviews on Apple podcast. If you want to talk to me, you can follow me at Kofi outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the socials. All right. That'll do it. Thank you again. This is Comic Book Nation. We hope you guys stay checked in, stay healthy. We're sorry about the movies of 2020. And Mm. uh, hopefully we can get things back on track in 2021. But we have more great stuff to talk about every week. We still got streaming. We still got shows and some big things happening between now. Yeah, gaming. Comics. Consoles coming. Comics, manga, anime. We got it all. Wrestling. So stay tuned in. Comic Book Nation. We'll see you next time. Peace. Deuces.